Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Each year around the holidays, we shift our collective focus for a few weeks. In addition to thinking about our own needs, we think about others. We buy gifts. We listen to music that's all about unanimity and we give to charity. For some people, this kind of largesse is not confined to the weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's what they do every day. O.G. Alexander is executive director of a nonprofit organization called Home by Hand. Home by Hand evolved from the post-Katrina Home Again Foundation. Home by Hand is a community-based property development company that builds homes in partnership with low and moderate income home buyers. Their business model is a really inventive alternative to home ownership that bridges the polarized gap between blight and gentrification. O.G. Alexander, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me. Brian Kish is president of the Emerald Legacy Foundation. The foundation is the charitable wing of Emerald's culinary empire. It unites New Orleans' arena of great success, food, with one of our fields of greatest distress, education. Among the foundation's wide range of food-based education initiatives, Edible Schoolyard sponsors outdoor classrooms, school gardens, and teaching kitchens. Emerald's Culinary Garden and Teaching Initiative is a nationwide program aimed at giving elementary and middle school students a fun perspective on food that includes financial assistance for schools to build teaching kitchens. To give you some idea of the scale of this operation, since 2003, Emerald Lagasse Foundation has dispersed over $10 million in grants for children's charities. Brian, it seems like only yesterday, but it was 2015 when you were last here. Uh, welcome out to lunch. That's right. Thanks. I'm, I'm really happy to be back. Appreciate it. Now, OG, gentrification is having a significant effect on the character of New Orleans as a whole. Although everybody prefers development to blight, there are New Orleanians who can no longer afford to rent, much less buy a home, in neighborhoods that their family has lived in for generations. As I understand it, your initiative at Home by Hand gives subsidies to first-time home buyers, and when the homeowner sells the house, the subsidy remains in the home so the houses remain affordable forever. This sounds like it might be the magic formula that could allow development without the rampant profit-taking effects of gentrification that prices people out of neighborhoods. Could you explain how this works? Uh, give us an example. I have to go back and, and talk a little bit about where we came from. Um, you know, oh, yes, please. We, um, Home by Hand, we, we like to consider ourselves the successor to Project Home Again. Okay, all right. Which was a charitable endeavor. Now that started after Katrina? Mm -hmm. Okay, yes. All right. A charitable endeavor that was created by the chairman of Barnes & Noble and his wife. Um, that, was a, that was a recovery organization, and their goal was to get people back into homes back into, into equity situations as quickly as possible. Um, we built 175 homes through, the, through that endeavor. Uh, we did some great work. And the first 101 homes, those, that was the charitable endeavor. Uh, the people would trade their damaged property for a brand new home. 
um, turnkey, no mortgage as long as they lived in the home, uh, maintain, the, maintain the home and, and paid the taxes and the insurance. But it's the 70 homes that we built and sold to first time home buyers is where we really learned that we needed to start making the distinction, not just in income, but in wealth. Um, we found in the traditional home buying scenario, if you build a house and put a for sale sign out there, we found that lower wealth home seekers were continually getting beat out by their higher wealth counterparts, even at the same income levels. And it was just perpetuating this, this cycle of, of asset poverty. Uh, so when we, uh, when, when we founded Home by Hand, we, we created a program that specifically addressed that. Uh, the goal was to give our home buyers the time that they needed to become mortgage ready, um, so that when the house was completed, that that house was ready for them when, when, when they were ready to close on that house. And OG, you brought up something that most of us would never think of, and that is the difference between income and wealth. And, uh, and that you've hit upon it, and uh, it, is, it is very interesting. Well, in simple terms, think about think about income as it's what you use to pay your monthly bills. You know, you pay your rent. You, I mean, you maybe you you're you're paying your utilities. Um, wealth is what happens when uh, what happens when something goes wrong. What happens when you lose a job? How long can you survive? Do you do you have an asset? Do you have something that you can sell? All right. Thank you. Now, Brian. Since you took over as executive director of the Emerald Lagasse Foundation in 2014, you've turned it into a uh, powerhouse operation. Mm. Uh, you've kicked it up a notch. I think <laughs> that's what you've done. You Absolutely. Have, you've had multiple initiatives in schools that are all aimed at giving kids education in the sources of food, nutrition, healthy eating, and, and culinary skills. The fact that you're spending millions of dollars to do this is very impressive, but wasn't this for many years a part of basic education. I mean, I think we called it home ec. Uh, at some point, yeah. the subject changed and changed its name to family and consumer sciences. But um, is it no longer part of a school's curriculum? You know, it's it's a great question, and it, and it almost goes back to um, why Emerald and Alden started this foundation. It's one of the things they saw is that kids were losing a connection back to their food. Where did it come from? I mean, I know that sounds almost ridiculous. Of where does food come from? But do we know? Do we know the source of our food? Are we connected to it? Can we appreciate that and respect that and get to know that? Um, and then once we have it, what do we do with it? You know, it even goes back to when Emerald started here at Commanders. Great, great setting for this story <laughs> is when he became the uh, executive chef here, one of the first things he did is he went out to all of his purveyors and said, where does the food come from? So he went out on the shrimp boats. He went and saw where the pork was coming from. He saw and met with his growers because he wanted to understand where that food was coming from so he can respect it, then prepare it appropriately for the guest here. Well, it's a little bit different, but we want our kids to know where is food coming from. Um, can we grow it? If we grow it and prepare it, studies show they're more likely to eat it. Can we change eating habits based upon that model? Yes. Can we teach math and science and English in a garden and in a kitchen? We believe the answer is yes. Can we have mentorship happening through the rigors of a kitchen? Yes. And so that's why we've done these, whether it's supporting the local edible schoolyards or some of the ones we're doing nationwide, whether that's putting in the uh, kitchen that we did at NOCA here. We just did a grant at Nochi uh, to support some of the mentorship that's happening there. We put a school in it, uh, a uh, garden and a kitchen, but mostly the kitchen at St. Michael's. And we do a variety of things as well. But again, we believe these spaces can change people's lives. 
And you're right, that used to happen a lot more. I had home ec when I was growing up. I remember, I don't know if you guys had this all. I'm sure we're all the same age, right? But we had microwave cooking was a class that you could take in high school. Now, I don't know if that was the healthiest choice, but... I'm a little older than you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> microwave but you got to know but what that button was an option. is. Yeah. 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 Th- these aren't options for kids anymore. OG, uh, in addition to uh, the, the houses, you're also doing... Um, you've got a second agenda in regard to water management. Uh, which is, so you're probably happy he's building gardens, but it's, uh, they, <laughs> what's that about? I mean, we all know the problems uh, in New Orleans. What are you doing in your homes to make that work? Well, it, it's funny. It's just really funny how many, how many ties there are in, in our worlds mm, in, in the good. nonprofit, um, talking about engagement and, 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 and the kids. Um, you know, we like to think that we're working with the parents, you know, uh, and, um, Emerald Gossi Foundation is, is working with the kids. We're working with their parents in, in, in hopes of, of making it easier for these kids when they come up. They um, need the right home to come to. They absolutely, and, absolutely and a home do. that they can build a garden instead right. of a rental absolutely. property or something absolutely. like that. You're 100%. They have to have uh, and for us, you know, we, we, have a, we have a real focus on energy efficiency. We always approach it from a practical standpoint. We're building homes for low to moderate um, income home buyers. We want to make sure that those homes are easy to maintain and affordable to maintain. Um, we've recently added stormwater management as a, um, as, as a feature, as a, a sustainability feature. Uh, it's another area where most of our, our most vulnerable citizens are usually at highest risk and generally don't have the funds to mitigate. Um, and we've taken it a step further. Again, just this, this notion of creating this, this pathway. Uh, we have a partnership with Louisiana Green Corps. We're training young adults who are between 18 and 24 years old who are not in school or in work um, to install these stormwater management systems. We're teaching them about how to live with water in the city that they've grown up in, that they will probably spend most of their lives in. Um, we're preparing them for the thousands of jobs that the stormwater sector is going to, is going to create. Um, we're preparing them, we're helping them with the soft skills, you know, show up to work on time. Um, don't yell and scream and, 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 and cuss at your boss. Um, and, and, and what we get, what Home by Hand gets, is we get these stormwater management interventions installed at our houses for our, for our homeowners. So now our homeowners are becoming educated about stormwater management. And we look at it this, at this natural progression. Because these kids come to the houses, we teach them about the stormwater, they install these stormwaters, and the first question they ask is, how do I get a house like this? And gainful employment, that is, that's, that's the first way. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's that path, pathway to eventually to home ownership. Um, and when to, you mentioned hands-on, even the houses themselves, uh, the buyer has to commit a certain amount of sweat equity, right? Yes. Um, all of our buyers put in uh, at least 100 hours of sweat equity uh, into their homes and the homes of their fellow applicants. Uh, the idea is that, one, it saves, it's, it, it, it's some cost saving, so it makes the house a little bit more affordable to them, but they're involved in the process. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with O.G. Alexander from the community-based property development company Home by Hand and Brian Kish from the Emerald Legacy Foundation. Brian and O.G., this is the part of the show we call the checklist. Uh, I have a list of 43 random questions in front of me. I'm going to ask you to pick a number from 1 to 43 and do your best to come up with an answer. And Brian, I'll start with you. You got a, a number you want to try? Yeah, my favorite number is 8. What would cut an interview short for you? Interesting. In my role, I would say the thing that would cut it short is if someone started to say some negative things about Chef Emerald. 
Listen. So not about the foundation criticism, but yeah. the man himself. I manage the foundation, and I can handle criticism. I make good choices. I make bad choices, like we all do. I, I try to make the best choices I can based upon the advice from my board. But when you criticize Emerald as a human being, uh, I'm done because I've gotten to know this individual. You know, when I took this job, I was a foodie. This was one of my food idols. I always tease him about that, you know. Um, one of the scary things about meeting your idols, what if he's not or she's not the person you thought they were? Right. Emerald is that and better. His heart is huge. He's doing this for the real reasons. He's a kind, generous person. He's down to earth and he genuinely loves people. Uh, I say this often, but philanthropy, if you break it down, is philos anthropos, the love of humankind. And that's what Emerald's doing here. And so when someone criticizes that, I'm done. Well, OJ, I'm going to ask you the same question. You got a magic number you think this is going to work? I'm going to go number 10, Peter. Number 10. What really drives your business? Oh, that's a great one, Peter. Um, I can sum that up in one word, uh, necessity. Um, you know, the city, uh, according to the, the housing NOLA. Don't you wish you could be out of business? <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Like, wouldn't that be a good Retirement. Thing? Isn't that thoughts of retirement? <laughs> if all the problems were fixed, then you'd yeah. be out of a job. Yeah. But no, it's good. Sorry. Um, no, no problem. Uh, uh, you know, the housing NOLA affordable housing plan that the city's adopted estimates that the city needs some 33,000 plus affordable units by 2025. Um, we've got over 100 applicants in our pipeline. The need is there. Uh, you know, there, we, we can't, literally can't build homes fast enough for people. We're, we're, we're talking about gentrification. We're talking about displacement. We're, we're watching our residents no longer be able to afford in neighborhoods that their families have oh, been there. Me, help me as a, for perspective. How many do you do a year? We, our goal is to do 16 to 20 homes a year. So at 33,000, uh, yeah. I mean, I could have you on forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, so we're in, a, we're in a bit of a hole. Both of you have more, there's more desire for uh, your services than you have resources. So, um, like, actually, I'm going to ask both of you, Brian, how do you decide where to go? I mean, you can't do it all. Yeah, so luckily I have a, a great board, and, and we have a grants process, and, and people apply. You know, and, and here's the tough thing is it's really hard to say no. You, you have to, though. Right. And so part of our job is not just raising the money um, and creating the programs, but it's being very thoughtful of where to give it away. Where are you going to get the greatest impact? And then for me is, does that fit the mission and vision of my board and, and ultimately Emerald and Olden? And those are the choices I have to make. But boy, it is so hard to say no, but you can't say yes to everybody. And OG, you've got two sides. You've got, how do you pick the houses you're going to work with? And uh, and then, you know, frankly, you're, you're trying to help folks out, but you need people that have a steady source of income that are going to be able to make this work. How difficult is that? Uh, well, that's, that's one of the areas where we really actually had to evolve. Um, you know, we do have to work within the, you know, within the confines of, of the system. And most of these programs are based solely on income. Um, and again, one of the reasons why we started making that distinction, because if we base it solely on income, we found that ready buyers were always the ones getting the homes and the people that we really were intending to help were getting left behind. Uh, so one of the things that we we're able to do, what we were able to do is actually change the way that we score our applications. Um, you know, there are obviously, there, there are, there, if, if, you meet our, if you meet the qualifications set forth by the federal government, I can't tell you, I don't want to build you a house. Right. But what I can do is, in our scoring, as long as we score fairly, I can give preference to people who 
who have lived in the neighborhood, um, whose families have lived in the neighborhood, who were here and affected by Hurricane Katrina. So we can kind of tweak our program to really suit the needs of the people who are intending and in need. I, I, I talked about necessity. Need is tough because it's subjective um, and you have to be <laughs> right, careful yeah. with sub subjectivity. Yeah, but, right. but we really need to do our best and we have to be intentional about helping those who really need the help. Everyone can use it. But who, but who really needs it? And, Oji, when you talked about income and wealth, we talk about a lot about income inequality in this country, but the thing people don't, up, don't often understand is that we don't all start from the same starting point, and the big part of that is the wealth side. I mean, you, you, I'm, you, know, you always hear of people inheriting bazillions of dollars, but basically people, normal people, get, like, the equity in their folks' home or something. There's... Uh, and that's not happening in these kind of communities. Right, right. And, you know, and resources, resources aren't, you know, aren't just monetary. Um, you know, that's exactly how generational wealth works. Um, you know, the fact that you, you might have a parent or a grandparent, two generations of homeowners that are impressing, upon, impressing the importance of homeownership onto you. A lot of our buyers that, that, that we find are, are looking at their first homes in their, you know, mid to late and early mid to late 30s and early 40s they're not getting that head start because they don't have that resource they don't have that generational wealth and hopefully the um, next generation does yeah I have, a, I have a question for you if you don't mind me asking so um i'm been here as you mentioned uh for four or five years now yeah and <laughs> no, not happened. from not from new orleans um still getting to know the city a little bit when i talk to some of the folks that we work with um, where they live impacts some of the things they can accomplish as well, right? First of all, one of the things we look at is where they live, and, and you can be amazed. You can be in the middle of a city and be in a food desert, at least a healthy food desert, right? Um, one of the big things that we hear over and over again is transportation. So I go back to our Cafe Reconciles, our Liberty's Kitchens that we've given, I think I looked the other day, about $1.2 million to. Amazing programs. But how do the kids get there? We, the, the culinary school at NOCA, there was this one um, kid who was unbelievable, had such a passion, lived on the West Bank. It would take her over an hour and a half to get to school in the morning. And so where are these homes being built? And then do you have to look at the transportation and schools? I mean, there's so much more to it, right? And that's the tough thing is we can, we can give them a home where you're not giving it to them. They're helping earn that home or that is their home they earned. But can we help them in the right places? Boy. No, you're right. You know, transportation. Gosh, when we talk about having to pick and choose, you know, pick and choose our battles. Um, we historically have built in Gentilly. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason we ended up there, uh, again, after Hurricane Katrina, the focus was Lower Ninth Ward. Everybody was focused on the Lower Ninth Ward. Right, right. Um, and it was actually Cynthia Hedge Morell. She was the council person for that district at the time who said, hey, Gentilly got, you know, Gentilly got yeah. eight or nine feet of water as well. Absolutely. Um, and it was, you know, when we did our research, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a working class, diverse neighborhood, historical lo lo low crime rates, great schools, but a, a big elderly population. So there was a lot of, a lot of population loss, um, and specifically African-American families. So we chose to work in Gentilly because the need was there, because mm -hmm. there, was, there was this community that... You know, the, the, the focus necess wasn't necessarily on it, um, mm -hmm. but, you know, but the results of the, of the, the levy failures were there. Mm -hmm. um, and, 
you know, so it, you know, it was tough because I remember when we first started, transportation was an issue. There were folks that we were trying to help that said, I don't know if I can live here because I can't get to work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's, that's another one of the things that, that, that we work with. Um, we work with communities. We work with neighborhood associations. Uh, our partnerships are, are partly of what, of, of, of what makes us successful. One of our board members works specifically on transportation. Okay. Well. So, we, so we tap him. Um, you know, we, we've, we, we've got a lot of work to do, but that, I mean, it is a serious issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we're, I think we're, we're lucky that we live in a pretty, uh, for, for all for all intents and purposes, a pretty easy city na- to navigate. Well, speaking of transportation, uh, we've got to get out of here. That's a, <laughs> that's a, just a, all of us have a wish list of things we would like to improve in New Orleans. Potholes, crime, education, the sewage and water board, affordable housing. The list goes on. Most of us feel powerless to make any real difference in any of these areas. But thankfully, not all of us think that wishing things we're different is enough. Once in a while, you get to meet people like you, Brian and OG, who dedicate themselves to making life better for all of us. Uh, thank you so much for everything you're doing for New Orleans, and thank you for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. I appreciate that. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Brian Kish, Executive Director of the Emerald Lagasse Foundation, and OG Alexander, Executive Director of Home by Hand Incorporated. You can find out more about the Emerald Lagasse Foundation and Home by Hand by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to this show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and It's New Orleans' Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. And by Orange Theory Fitness.